are listening to Contesting Wrestling. This podcast has chronicled my journey as somebody who does not care for wrestling to try to become somebody who does not care for wrestling but has an understanding and appreciation of it. And in that way, it's been moderately successful. However, it's not over. This journey isn't over. Like we're we're getting we're get, we're in the last chapter when we're in the last act, but there's still like this is a huge one might say a daunting and bafflingly large body of 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 media that exists and we're getting through it and it's still important to get for me to hear people's you know to hear to hear a variety of opinions on it right to hear and and you know today is going to be about delving into i'm assuming you know what the deal is right if this is the first episode you're listening to the fuck you doing go listen to episode one what's are you an insane person who does that uh, I guess the, I guess it's fairly common podcast stuff. That's not important. What is important is that today's going to be an interesting episode where we try to get an angle on one element of wrestling that not only am I overtly hostile to, but also my co-hosts also are a bit hostile to. Um, and so it'll be interesting to get... I'm talking about Johnny Gargano. It'll be interesting to uh, see where this goes. Dr. Diamond Fire, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, <clears throat> I, I, will, I will do that again if you have not been listening. You don't know who I am. My name, well, you might. My name is Doc Diamond Fire. I've been in professional wrestling uh, uh, about 13 years now. I've done a little bit of everything. I've wrestled. I've done every job there is to do backstage. Uh, I've done commentary. I've done ring announcing. Hire me to do commentary now. My DMs are open. And I'm happy to be doing this podcast with everybody. And uh, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm hostile towards everything, but this is contesting wrestling, not we all love everything about wrestling. You can find that in, you know, all of the podcasts that are out there that don't just crap on wrestling, which is equally as bad. And uh, yeah, I'm going to throw it to you, Dr. Abelson. How I'm you all right. Uh, for people who might be listening to this podcast for the first time now, because perhaps they are friends or relatives of our guests today. Hi, new people. Sorry. Thanks for tuning Sorry, in. Sorry, everybody. I'm sure you're very nice, and I'm glad that you've chosen Wait, this episode. Uh, our, our guest doesn't have and legions Legion, oh, of fans. Oh, of course, the millions and millions of his fans yeah. as well. Um, I am Dr. Ben Abelson. I am a professor of philosophy at Mercy College, which is especially relevant to today's episode because our guest was a student of mine at Mercy College, not, not of wrestling, of philosophy. Uh, one day I'll teach the philosophy of wrestling class, but... Uh, by now, he has graduated from Mercy College. He is an aspiring 3D graphic artist and uh, 3D modeling and 3D texture artist. AJ Tignozini, welcome to the Contesting Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm very welcome. I'm uh, a little disappointed that graphic design was in the word, but I, I, I applaud either way. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly all right. Thank you We've again. We established that Ben podcast. is not a doctor of remembering things. <laughs> ironically, ironically. But anyways, thank you again for having me here. I am just simply here listening to all of you tightly, tightly holding my wonderful friend Goldie over here as I am also excruciatingly nervous as to getting completely roasted based on the topic that's going to be happening For those today. who don't know... No, 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 no. We ain't For those who don't you. know, Goldie 
was the name Tommaso Ciampa gave to the NXT championship belt, uh, which AJ is clutching a replica of at the moment. That is that is exactly true. And uh, I will be not doing to be it. confused with Big Goldie, which was the uh, the latter day WCW belt. I can into the world heavyweight championship. Oh yes. boy, yes, the the oh yes, that that belt. Uh, we're gonna pretend like WWE never owned that belt ever. They did, but they didn't. No, they owned it for years. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. They did for a lot of years. They did better things with that belt than WCW. Yeah, starting did a lot in of the 1991, time. If you watch WCW, Claire brought it over. Oof, I was just watching that. That's amazing. No, I, I, I haven't. We didn't watch any of that on the podcast today. Now I do want to make it clear that yeah, no, we're, there's no, there's no roasting. There's no, ro- no roasting is coming, or at least no roasting of you. I may roast Johnny Gargano with my words, oh boy. Uh, because of my feelings about him. But I, I am a lot more interested in. Because people cle- like you, like p- people clearly love Johnny Gargano, right? Like it's not like it's it, it's not just it's not like you by choosing this match are like some sort of you know uh, uh, straight freak wandering the woods saying, "Oh, look at this match," and oh, and being the only person who who would say such a thing. Like clearly, people really love this, and I have. A tough time. I like. I have. I. I have a tough time. That's all. That's all. I'm, and I want to understand Johnny Gargano. It's sort of a microcosm of the general struggle of this podcast, in that I don't get the appeal of Johnny Gargano outside of his willingness to go hard for long periods of time, which I recognize and appreciate. But I don't see outside of that really what's going on with him so that that's 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 my goal at least in discussing the first match yeah. today. Uh, and that first match is johnny gargano versus adam cole for the then vacant nxt championship in a two out of three falls match at nxt takeover new york 2019 which you were present for live right? yes I, yeah, yes i was i was there i was there with my dad on the on, we were way way in the back but we did get like a nice diagonal view of the ring Basically, Nothing wrong with that. It, no, absolutely not. If yeah, I, the Barclays Center was, is a good place to see wrestling. I don't quite like it as much as the Garden, the old Madison Square Garden. But well, the Garden will always be the Garden. You know, I went to a SmackDown taping shortly before quarantine at the Barclays Center, and I thought it was now, great. Be- uh, yes. AJ, before you launch into uh, your feelings about Johnny Gargano, I just want to say that one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, besides the fact that you are one of a few students over the years who I became friends with because of wrestling. Um, that is certainly true. Uh, that I, I see you as to some degree representative of the contemporary WWE and NXT fan and that your perspective will, will represent that sort of demographic to some degree. Yes. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, I think why I fit that demographic so much terribly and why my love for NXT is so strong. It also comes from a lot of years of just built up hatred towards um, the main roster of WWE of, of just constant bad story decision-making and the lack of the, the lack of wrestling, if you know what I mean, the lot, the hindering of these over the top moves because of a PG audience and let me ask you something that's important. Yes. When did you start watching wrestling and what is it that you watched? And kind of as a side thing, who's your first favorite? So I started watching wrestling in 2009. I gotten into it thanks to my cousin. He was, I was kind of going through some stuff at the time and he wanted to cheer me up a little bit. And 
my first match that I had ever, that I've ever seen ever was CM Punk versus Undertaker inside Hell of a Cell. That was the first wrestling match I ever watched. And looking back on it, as a, as a kid, you're like, you're, you're like, at first you're like, okay, maybe you're like, okay, cool. Dead man versus uh, arrogant, arrogant white man from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Like that's nothing to be, uh, that's nothing to be super excited about. But looking back on it, it opened up a new world to me for really dynamic storytelling. And really it, it was kind of wacky to begin because again, you're, you're seeing a regular like athletic man go up against what is supposedly just an Un, like a seven foot tall um, undead muscling uh, yeah, monster. A man from the zombie race. <laughs> the yes. So so Undertaker and Punk were the first were like my first two favorite wrestlers. I still love Punk to this day. I still love him to this day as like my all-time favorite wrestler. So that that lingers that lingers with me to to like my favorite doesn't towards certain wrestlers. At the time, I remember, like, because I was already, like, a year or two into, like, the wrestling business by then, and I remember most of the old heads just talking trash on CM Punk, and, like, I, I try to say even then to them, it's like, you know, people are, like, getting into wrestling because of this guy, and they just completely would scoff at it. The same way I tell them people are getting into wrestling because of Orange Cassidy now. They're like, but that's not what I like about wrestling. It's like, right, exactly. The people who are starting to watch wrestling... <laughs> didn't like what you yep. liked about wrestling, but they like this show. So, so, that's my soapbox so, for now. Doc yeah. and I also, don't like Johnny yeah. Gargano, but you do. I I, I love Johnny Gargano. What, what else before, is there for me to say? He's a, a, a quick, maybe not too, too quick, but before we get into the specifics, I do want to ask the universal guest question, um, which is, in general, why do you, when, when faced with the question that haunts all human beings of what do I do with my limited time on this earth? Why, why wrestling? Why fill, why fill that time with wrestling and not, and not, or at least the time that you do not to say that you do 24 seven wrestling, but you know, well, why, why wrestling over other art forms over? Why is wrestling worth delving into for somebody? At least for me back then, wrestling was a good way for me to come out of my social shell. It taught me to be extroverted with my emotions to, uh, to, uh, to a very exaggerated degree. And then I had to learn to tone, tone it down after a few years. I learned how to extrovert the, the basic, com the, the common emotions of, um, you know, happiness, sadness, optimism, pessimism, which a lot of wrestlers had would still do to this day that's the art form of wrestling it's it's at least at least when you when it comes to promos when it came to the wrestling itself and the reason why i love wrestling is just because it's it it, it it's an it's a beautiful art skill to see to see and study just interesting ways of the body just of the human body itself just doing all these weird flips and all these weird and outstanding like athletic lifts like yeah you see that in other sports too but with wrestling specifically it's it it's basically like watching a superhero movie do you find the visual stimulus of wrestling to be inspiring and uh, influential on your visual arts work yourself uh yes it definitely does it has 
to to a very big degree like improved my anatomy over the years when uh, sculpting and you know Maya ZBrush or even just like doing a sketch. So also also as someone who has studied graphic design, looking at the the motion graphic Titan Trons and looking at all the different types of logos and watching the watching the motions move around. I'll say it's gotten better over the Definitely. years. Definitely. <laughs> looking, looking back on it, when they first introduced the Titan Tron in 2008, Jesus Christ, Vince was way too cheap to hire an art team and was just like, what are you doing? It's like everything from the costumes to the logos to like the music and all of that other stuff like was always just embarrassingly cheesy and out of date until except maybe for a little moment in the attitude era and then very recently they they seem to to catch up with the rest of pop culture to, to to sort of bring it back into this match one of my favorite wwe logos of all time is the undisputed era logo the the also the analogy of cfos with the last names of all the wrestlers that are in it and it forms this really nice cool little triangular like you like um emblem which, re which really shows like how they worked well and how they were close to each other. I think, and yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about Gargano, of course, but with Cole and the Undisputed Era, I think a lot of their appeal comes from a design perspective, right? Comes from how they look together, how they walk out to the ring, you know, all of that kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really More put a lot of, of thought into really how much design goes into like because you know each wrestler has to have a series of images attached attached to them and those images uh you know it's it's not going to be finely detailed illustration it's going to be like you know something simple and yeah that's yeah i hadn't thought of that broad strokes and branding you know that's that's what kids remember that's what you remember first before you can remember anything with more detail yeah i it's thought bret hart's gear just looked cool I mean, it's fucking cheesy now, the skull yeah. with wings and a heart around it. But as a kid, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of looks cool. It's a cool combination of elements. It if if like revised in a certain way, it can be a good logo. It can it, it can be good. It just needs just needs a little bit of tweaking here and there. So and the idea of like the like motorcycle hard edged like skull with wings, but then softened by the heart around it. Well, I mean, it's it's better than having his. I mean, it's better than having his logo like, uh, like you know, a sniper rifle as to the nickname the Hitman because a Hitman, it could, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that that would have been really bad. All right, so I so so yeah, like so we have this match and it was supposed to be Champa and Gargano. It was supposed to be the ultimate blow of their Again. incredible feud. Like, <laughs> like we've said before, and we've covered a couple of those matches. You know, I I've said that. I, I'm not particularly interested in either of those wrestlers, but I thought the storytelling was so good with their feud that I got into their matches nonetheless. I, I always liked Tommaso Chiampa. I mean, I was at a, you know, I worked for Chikara for several years and we, we, we brought him in once when we were doing Chicago. And I'll always remember he was one of those guys who made sure to go around to everyone on the crew and look them in the eye and shake their hand and thank them for what they did before and after the show. And, uh, you know, that, 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 it's that huge helps, man, buddy, it, it, it helps. really goes a long yeah. way. If you're in any kind of performing thing, you know, I don't know, yep. all the years I was in bands, That's... I was like always amazed at how many people would just be like a dick to the sound guy. 
It's like, she, like, yeah, right. Like, just treat him like a fucking person. Yeah. I, I don't, also, like, he's going to decide if you sound good. <laughs> right. So, what do you fucking yeah, do? Yeah. Like, it's like, like, why would a wrestler, like, I'm sure there are wrestlers who come in and are kind of dicks to the guys who, like, build the ring mm-hmm. that they're going to land on a whole bunch that yeah. they really need to be well constructed. That was, I want to give so. a shout out to Molly Holly for her Hall of Fame speech where she named all the members of the crew by name. And shouted them out in the very short yeah, amount of time she had to speak. Yeah, she had. She was supposed to have like fifteen minutes, and then Vince was like, "Oh no, two minutes." For whatever reason, he for whatever reason he thought was rational at the time. Well, it had to do with like the 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 Hall of Fame this year being so truncated and everything. But Molly said when she heard that, like she cried because it gave her flashbacks of back when she was wrestling when they'd be told, "Oh, you get ten minutes," and they'd be the only women's match on the show, and then they'd get to the curtain and it'd be like, "Ah, uh, you know, two minutes." Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll cut out our whole match. I'll do my finish, and then uh, we'll we'll go home. At least when she left, at least she didn't get her stuff like sent in a UPS trash bag. Just <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, or, or stuffed in a box and stamped with "Return to OVW." Yeah. Oh. So, so yeah. So this match, um, it what it didn't end up being Gargano and Champa, and so Cole and Gargano had a lot to live up to here. They, they really, they, there was a, a huge weight on their shoulders to deliver a dramatic, powerful, climactic main event without much of a story between them. The only story well, is that Cole won the Fatal Five way, right? And- uh, Well, there is, there is a story that there is a story if you really think about it okay. up to that point and here. So Johnny Gargano at the time has basically been like scratching and clawing his way to the main title. He eventually he got to the North American title, right, right, but right. that was Champa. That was he being manipulated to not going out to the main title. Cole, when he came into NXT, he like Johnny Gargano said, he had a red carpet walked out for him. He debuted at the Barclays Center. He got a lot of attention very quickly. He was winning match after match after match. First ever North American champion, head of a game wrestling game changing stable and now is all of a sudden in the main event of the barclays so the, the overachiever the against the underachiever underdog pretty much adam cole has always been one of those guys have always come he's like Shawn michaels he just shows up and wins and like maybe it pisses you off but you can you can deal with it because it's just going to keep happening and i think it's just going to keep happening one of these days adam cole is just going to show up on a way too high point of the card on smackdown or something and we're just going to have to Cole's another it. guy it's- i'm not crazy about i wonder evan we know how you feel about gargano what was your impression of adam cole baby um, I, I got kind of a, like, I got sort of a generic kind of, did you, did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy? I, I haven't. I, I know a little bit about it. He's, I, he's kind of gave me a vibe of a, like, a guy who was on Sons of Anarchy and didn't have, like, he had a couple lines, but they never named his character. Mm. Sort of like, he just sort of was like a generic kind of like i guess i'm a bad ish guy he gives me very much Maybe. like a tom cruise vibe like he looks a little bit like tom cruise facially and he's just guess, he's, yeah. he's shorter than he should be for his character and he does look like a he's complex one, for him 
he does look like there's no way he doesn't know about uh, horrific labor violations that are occurring, but he's not going to tell anybody about them because he benefits from them. <laughs> but Tom Cruise is Tom oh, Cruise. Great. Tom Cruise knows. Okay. Everybody who knows is oh close God. to Tom Cruise says that there's no way he doesn't know about the Scientology slavery. Uh, and let's put it. Uh, but it's working so since well. Since Doc for him. mentioned Shawn Michaels, like these two guys, and you see it in the match, are very have very much kind of been branded implicitly as Shawn's boys in NXT, and I think he might have been the agent for this match. Um, but it, it it makes a lot of sense to me that he would he would take these two guys under his wing. One, so is they're never going to be as good as him. <laughs> is the whole baby? Oh, I, I, I doubt that opinion. I'm just throwing that out there right now. I severely doubt that. Yeah, well, they got a few more years to go. But What's is up, Evan? So baby, is that like he calls you baby? I he says Adam Cole, and then the whole crowd says baby with him. So he, he's. <laughs> They've been doing that since well before he was even in the WWE. Okay. Um, it, it just starts. It's it's a cliche in a promo, just like saying, "He's like Adam Cole, baby," sure. <laughs> and then he starts doing it deliberately, and then the fans start picking it up. And now he doesn't even say it; the fans just say it for him. All of that really comes down to copying one of the earlier versions of Chris Jericho, um, and like that is specifically my problem with both of these guys. They both, like, it's, I don't hate either of them, but both of them to me, like, you know, I know I'm a grumpy old wrestling fan, but they both seem like copies of copies of copies. Like, Gargano, you know, is lucky that Alex Shelley didn't really pursue wrestling on a higher level because he's aping a bunch of shit out of the Shelley playbook. Shelley, when he was younger, was just copying everything Chris Jericho could do in hopes to get over. And Jericho, when he was younger, was just copying Shawn Michaels, which brings us all back to Shawn Michaels. Well, yeah. And Shawn Michaels might be the best in-ring competitor issue, of all time, which is a my whole My issue other isn't story. so much the, the influence there, you know, because that's always going to be the case with wrestling. Um, but that yeah. there's something lost in the copying. And the main thing that, and I don't know how, how AJ feels about this, but the main thing that I think is lost We'll find is out. the wrestling storytelling. So I I actually enjoyed watching the match back more than I expected to. It's fairly long. There's a lot going on. They do, but they keep it. I would say it's extremely it's long. It's quite long, yeah. It's, I think they could have cut 20 minutes they, out of the middle. They, it would but have been they, fine. they kept my interest with all of the dazzling spots that they do. The problem, and they know a lot of moves, and a lot of them are impressive. A lot of them are fucking stupid as hell, like the Panama Sunrise. But we'll get into that later. Um, But they do a lot of moves, but they don't mean anything. There's there's no story told through the moves. There's no working on a body part. There's no, like, build up from one move, uh, from, like, earlier moves that aren't quite as impactful to moves that are impactful. Example, case in point, the most frustrating point for me in the entire match. They do an insane poison Rana, an inverted Frankensteiner, where Adam Cole looks like he was just driven directly on his head in a way that should have paralyzed him if someone was really trying to do that to him. And what does he do? He doesn't even stay down for a second. He pops back up to his knees to take a super kick, falls out of the ring, and then gets immediately back up grabs Gargano and does another move to him. 
that move, if you're going to have it in the match, should be towards the finish, you know, but it's early in the match and nothing comes from it. And so then when other moves happen later in the match, it's like, all right, these are kind of exciting, but none of them got as big of a pop as that move. And none of them look like they did as much damage as that move. So why should I be believing that they're going to get the, the pin, you know, in the end? I can definitely understand the, that frustration of not just that in particular, but also having big moves and then not really not having it loop back. Like they could have played a little bit of an injury there. I do agree with that. I saw the storytelling in the two of these men in the, how in the beginning of the match, how they're, how they're constantly doing these spots to try and outsmart the other. This match plays on deception, both, through each other but also through the crowd because as you notice after the second fall when it's neck and neck for the third fall whomever scripted this match literally did everything in their power to make the audience think that johnny gargano was not going to win that match and And that goes down that goes down from the fairy tale ending outside of the ring to getting a near count out to adam cole like constantly beating on gargano to pin him down even when or even there was this one spot like not too long after where he goes for the pin johnny gargano kicks out and then adam cole just starts having like a fit as a kid like what the hell do i need to do to to kill you i'm doing everything in my power and then of course that leads into the the tap out with the gargano escape and then the undisputed era coming to interfere which there was there might have been a little bit of a foreshadowing in the beginning when they all just leave Adam Cole to fight for himself, which they never did. And then all of a sudden at the end of the match, you see Roderick Strong like coming out and uh, distracting the referee. And then Gargano gets jumped. That at that moment was the, at least for, at least the way I saw it was. Oh shit. The they're going to screw the, Pretty much the, the peak of the point where like, this is it. Gar- this is like, and my dad next to me for context, he was pissed as hell because he, because not it's clever what they did, but also like, if there's one thing he doesn't like in wrestling, it's a fuck finish. And that was by definition, that was kind of a fuck finish. If you think about it. Yeah. And that, that plays into the beginning of the story of how Adam Cole gets everything handed to him where literally he was being handed that win after everything. He gets tired of trying to put Gargano away and just said, fuck it. My friends are giving me a lift. I'm going to take that and take advantage of it. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Of, of course, you know, to be invested enough to, to feel those near falls and to feel like, oh shit, they're going to screw him. You got to care about the baby face. And we, so let's, yeah. No, let, let, let's let's dig let's dig into that a yeah. little bit. Like I, yeah. I what what is to to you what like so who is Johnny Gargano? Like I have never quite been able to make sense of his character. How 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 would you describe Johnny Gargano? And and um yeah, and what is what is it? What is it you like about him? I see Johnny Gargano as well in many ways. I kind of see him like myself. But through the through a regular wrestling fan, he is supposed to be the he's supposed to be the the sympathy guy. Like 
he had, he kind of didn't really have a character in the beginning when he was a DIY. He was just sort of like generic mid card, high flying baby face, and then all of a sudden Champa just screws him over, and then all of a sudden like, oh shit, like you good buddy, and then he, and then everything starts going good for him. Champa comes back, he starts getting he basically just starts getting screwed over between his old tag team partner constantly losing matches and then he goes crazy and so now he's a heel but so i guess you know a part of what's going on there is to begin with the diy thing right the fact that this is a little guy there isn't that much really that's special about him to begin with but he scratches and claws and works his ass off and finds his way into the big time or the sort of big time, the NXT, um, you know, however he possibly can. And he did it all himself. He did it all his way. He did it with his friend. And there's this camaraderie between them. And then this guy who worked his ass off to get where he is starts getting screwed, including by his friend and partner. And so you feel sympathy for him for that, right? The hardworking guy who shouldn't have made it, but made it anyway, but didn't really make it. He's almost there. He's about to ba- grab the brass ring and then nobody's letting him. I, I think why people like him so much, at least from an NXT fan, is because I think he is what Sami Zayn should have been at his peak. Because I see, I saw Sami Zayn as that, Sami Zayn, El Generico, whatever you want to call him, as that, you know, upcoming baby face who he's likable. He, uh, you know, everybody loves him. He loves everybody. And then he gets screwed over by his best friend. He loses the NXT championship within a matter of weeks. And then he fades away from NXT. And I, and- I think that's part of the problem though. Is like that it's kind of a common story. Um, now I think for Gargano, like the length of it and the, sort of the the intensity when it came to his relationship with Ciampa and all that helped. But, you know, for me, it's like there's, there's got to be something else <laughs> on top of it. Well, just sympathy, you know, you need sympathy, but then also a reason to believe that the person you're sympathetic towards should win. Um, and that's, you know, that's tricky. You know, the, Nick Dinsmore talked about when he, when he was playing Eugene, how it, they had, it had gotten way over for a hot minute and they were like, all right, you're going to have a match with triple H and everybody hated triple H at the time, you know, and he came out and everyone booed him because as much as they liked the character and as much sympathy as he had, they weren't buying him as a main event guy against triple H In Gargano's case, like. He's got, you know, he's got the moves. He's he's a very good athlete. That he's got um, the moves that really Gar- move them, the fans. Yep. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. He doesn't. He has the moves that he saw on a creator wrestler set in a video game. Adam Cole has mostly the same move set, which is why they do the same moves at the same time a bunch of times in this match. In spots that, like to me, were supposed to be like, oh, they're evenly matched. But I just saw them as like, why are you doing the same stuff, guys? And it did. You already just kicked out of a bunch of stuff. Why are you doing the same stuff, guys? It, it was I? It felt. Um, it felt more heavily choreographed. At least up top. Their style, that's that's the other yeah. kind of complaint of us old heads about their kind of style, is that they, they work out everything from beginning to end. None of it is really called in the ring. None of it is improvised. They don't really work. Like, 
Right. It works a lot better in PWG in front of 300 people who want to see the most extreme show of moves that they can see. But then you bring it to the TV audience and it's missing that last layer of psychology that all of the main of the real main eventers have ever had. Pan In old wrestling, even in like ECW, when they were doing crazy spots and stuff, you'd they'd they'd play to the crowd. They'd. Then they do a flurry of crazy shit and then they'd sell for a while and play to the crowd more and then work into the next flurry of crazy shit until the very end of the match there's, when Cole finally gets in um, Gargano's face and is like, you're just a loser, something like that. You're just going to lose again and again or whatever. That's the first time that we see any kind of character expressed by either guy in the entirety of this long match. And, and, you know, I thought that was dumb because it was like, all right, how come you're not still fighting? It seemed like the kind of thing that would happen in a movie where the villain stops doing the thing to talk while the good guy wins purely because the bad guy stopped doing things to talk. Well, personally, I I didn't mind that, like, there, was, there wasn't really, like, dialogue between them until the end because at least... Because at least in oh, most yeah. of us, I, I, I would have been fine with no dialogue, honestly. Uh, but yeah, no, no. Tell me, tell me what you think. Actions speak louder than words, and I know that's very generic to say, but I thought you got a sense of what they were going through when they were doing those like crazy spots earlier. You got a sense of what both of them were thinking when they were like both really fast paced as they're both racing to the top. They're trying to match each other's speed. So, and. At the end, after all those fuck finishes, then you have then you have Adam Cole saying that you're done. And he this is my time. This is my show. I'm the best. You can fuck off. And give and that that said that at least sets a stage of sympathy of holy shit, like this is it. Like he, he's that like he he's screwed. He's gonna he's beat him with it. another last shot. But then he reverses it into the Gargano special, which he tapped him out with for the second fall as well. Uh, yep. And the first fall, he lost to the last shot, and and he, he gets pinned by it. And then immediately the second fall starts, and Cole does another last shot, and this one Gargano kicks out of. And it's the first time anyone's ever kicked out of the last shot. I would have done it the other way around. I mean... Yeah, yeah, me too. I would have had him kick out of the first one and then go down to the second one. Um, okay. Or else it makes it seem like an accident. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's me. Now, okay, now to play a little bit to the other side real quick. I do love this match. There are some things that aren't perfect about it. Like that, that spot that you mentioned in particular. Another thing that I didn't, that I thought was kind of good but also kind of okay was the fairy tale ending spot onto the, on table. the table not because the table not because the table didn't break if anything i thought no. if anything it's more painful when it doesn't break and you're like oh fuck. yeah the fairy you tale know? ending being the uh we used to call it the angel's wings when christopher daniels would do it yes i did i i don't like that spot because i felt that spot was out of nowhere well yes you do you get aware that like you're aware of what john again went through with champa I felt like they could have foreshadowed it more if Adam Cole was teasing more like Tommaso Ciampa um, taunts towards him. Like when he, like when he gestures towards a wrestling belt, he could 
like pretend to crush it in his hands, which is what Tommaso Ciampa does. <laughs> or he, I like stuff or, like that. Or he could he could have done something stupid, which what I thought, which I was gonna predict for the last Brooklyn with Tommaso Ciampa's entrance was I thought Ciampa was gonna come out to the DIY theme song, and then Johnny Gargano at the beginning of the match has this like has a breakdown basically. You could have done that. It corny as shit, but like you, you it do something. Foreshadow something with Champa besides that move. Yeah. If he if 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 he would have done some of that earlier, I feel like it would have made that move a lot more it would have made a lot more meaningful personally. So you know, I was just gonna say like with, with Gargano, he um you know, it, it seems like the his character, it seems like the core of his character is that he wants to be, so he wants to be known as somebody who's good at wrestling. Johnny wrestling, as it were. Johnny wrestling. And he wants to, and he wants to do a lot, and he want, does a lot of wrestling. Every time we've watched Johnny Gargano match, it's gone, it's gone on for a long period of time. And... He's in like some of the best and most hard to maintain, like not just really good shape, but he's in a kind of shape that is hard to maintain. He has almost no body, right body fat. Yeah, like it's, most wrestlers have disgusting. some level of body oh, fat because yeah. it's just hard to fucking live like you like you like um um you know I'm not sure who the uh, it's modern. Those like ideal is now like for years it was sort of like people would talk about like oh i want to look like brad pitt and fight club or whatever right because right but like without realizing that like those got like he was fucking like you know not eating for 24 hours or just like eating ice chips or whatever yeah, before they completely shot. dehydrated you yeah. you, you uh, actually just reminded me of something that adds to john and gargano's character and oh, like sure, sure. the whole the as an as as an nxt fan not just me but everyone who loves nxt up until that up until that era in NXT, it was pretty much not even a C show, but basically like you know, minor leagues of wrestling where like every every six or seven months you have a new set of wrestlers and a new set of yeah. main eventers, and you feel like people get called up really quickly. When you come to that, when you come to that era of NXT in 2016-2017. A lot of people say it after a long time when they thought they should have got called up. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like that's why people love Johnny Gargano so much is because he decided because to he'll never him. get called up. Well, <laughs> you yeah, that's, See, that's, that's interesting a good to me because that, that's, that's a good thing. That's very specifically one of the reasons why I fell off of NXT. Like I loved NXT for years. One of the things I loved the most about it is that people did not hang around. You won the title. When you lost the title, it seemed like okay, you're gonna leave. So when you have like when Sasha Banks did her tearful farewell, like I believed it. It's like man, she had a great run in NXT. Hope she's gonna do well on the main roster and. Of course, she did years and years, big star and everything. But like, I thought that was the appeal of NXT that people weren't because the thing that I hate the most about the main roster that people are just there forever. They don't leave. They don't move. Roman Reigns has been on top for longer than Hulk Hogan was on top during his big yep. run. And that's a All big right, and, and that's a good segue to our <laughs> other match. Oh boy! <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, we're. I mean, we should get to the other match pretty shortly. I don't think we're gonna have quite as much to cover for it. Uh, but yeah. So the Cole versus Cole versus Gargano. 
Both of these guys are still in NXT a couple of years later, and at this point, I don't give a shit about either of them. Like, I really <laughs> did like, by the way, the Gargano and Kiampa storyline. Thought it was great beginning to end. I thought the DIY tag team was I great. I was one of those... I don't... <laughs> Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I was just like one yeah. of those matches we watched on here. I remember fe- like describing as operatic. That's right. Like, it really was yeah. like for all yeah. that I don't care, for all that I really don't like Gargano. Like that match was fucking breath a little long, <laughs> little long, but yeah, like a little long. You know, I, I I saw their match in Brooklyn, you know, before this, and I thought it was fantastic. But like. Gargano's heel turn is like he needed to because he had faced all the heels and it wouldn't matter anymore. And he just seems like he's in the way of the all way. the guys coming up. And the thing that the I way. love, yeah, the, well, the, the way, way is very good. The thing that I love the most about NXT is that nobody ever seemed in the way. Uh, you <laughs> know, my favorite NXT superstar of all time is probably Asuka. And like she was the most in the way and it was awesome because you couldn't beat her. And she wasn't even ever beat. She vacated the title when she got injured, and then she had the decency to move to the main roster. So the next set of women could And guess what? Charlotte Flair beat her. Yeah. So, so wait, 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 hold on. For, no, 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 no. I want an answer to this. What, so what, what do you what do you mean so? Uh you all right, you want me to say it? I'm gonna be blunt. Charlotte Flair should not have yeah. beaten Oscar. I stand I stand by that opinion. You know why? Honestly, I am yeah, I do. because I am biased towards Charlotte Flair. I, I do not like her yeah. as an in ring performer. That's my reason. She's such a good heel. It's incredible. Yeah, he, she, All right, we can move on now. Yes, as I, yes, I'm saying. Okay, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna bulldoze over you with with that. My answer to that is that Oscar was the champion for a lot of last year. Oscar's now been on the main roster for several years. She was a huge star. She's established, and she's really only lost to a couple of people. Charlotte just came back from a long layoff. They're trying to put her back into the main event. Asuka could afford to lose to her. So, good. It's the call I would have made, 100%. Because it pisses guys like you off right, and Charlotte right. wins. Char- and that's the that's whole Charlotte's point. entire character yeah, is she's going to win uh, uh, all the time when you don't want her to. Um, that's not, that's I, not I, a I, character all the I, time. It's been done before. But she doesn't win all the time. If she won all the time, she wouldn't have lost the title a dozen times. No, she's going to win. You just think she wins all the time because it is. And she's going to win also specifically in the moments when you want her to the least. Right? That's. She. Because, she, hey, she already got her title match and didn't just win the title. So, wait, she wins. But I wanted to so say about the, the Johnny Gargano <laughs> stable, Evan, is called The Way. It's him and his wife and Candace and two other people. They're called The Way. And I just realized that's perfect from what Doc was saying. They're in the way <laughs> of all yes, the other talents. in the way. Also, a lot of sense. And I always just want to say Gargano, for me, works way better as a heel. He's not likable. He's this little fucking sniveling, annoying jerk. And that that works when he plays that character. Like, I believe it. I still don't believe him fucking kicking out of like eight different power moves in a match. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I like I like him as a face and a heel. I uh, that that that's just biases right there. That's that. And I'll admit it. Once again, we can talk heatedly, but like, I'm happy you're on and I'm happy to have someone to disagree with on this. Thank you for coming. Awesome. I'm not trying to be like, you suck. No, no, you're awesome. This is, this is art. This is contesting wrestling. All right. Now that we have five seconds, uh, the figure eight is a horrible uh, finisher. It looks painful when you put it on. And when Charlotte does it, it looks like she's having an erection. 
There, I said it. <laughs> it does look weird. That's I actually, fantastic. I'm a big fan of Charlotte, but I, I, I agree with you that it is a weird finish. I, when she does the full it's bridge, I've never understood why that's supposed to make it appear more painful or intense. I, I, I find it nonsensical. It looks like she's in more pain, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. Um, like, why does Adam Cole have to jump off the ropes and do that goofy uh, bounce? Don't draw attention to the fact that the ring is bouncy. <laughs> let's. All right, all right. Hold up, hold up. All right, it. now let's. Holding. Since Adam Cole is the subject of the match, I think we could talk about yes. the Panama Sunrise a little bit. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, anybody that tries to do Petey Williams as Canadian Destroyer and kicks out of it, please, from the bottom of my heart, go fuck yourself. Uh, seriously, it was one of the best moves in wrestling, and now it's something that people who aren't athletic do to prove that they can do something when it's really easy. I like it when old, like when Ricky Morton pulls it out. I think it's great, but you ain't I, Ricky. I Morton, thought it was buddy. a good spot for Bad <laughs> yeah. Bunny to do in the WrestleMania match uh, because it yeah, made him yeah. look, you know, incredibly athletic. But right, Adam Cole uses it as a high spot that people kick out of and then they're surprised. And honestly, I don't know why anybody's surprised when anybody kicks out of anybody, any of Adam Cole's moves because all of his matches have 45 near falls in it to the point where when the finish comes, I don't care because after every kick out, it's like, is this the one? And then is the finish the is, is the same the move that all they right. keep kicking out of. It's just another yep. fucking last call. Right. <laughs> all right. So, okay, let's move on. Uh, if, uh, can, we, can we move on to the, to the other match? Right. Yes, yes, I'm good. Roman to Reigns yeah, good to move on. I wanted to get Roman Reigns defending the Universal <laughs> title against Kevin Owens in a last man standing match at this year's Royal Rumble oh, yeah. 2021. Oh. Now, to start oh, it off, boy. we already talked about when we talked about the WrestleMania uh, triple threat, um, the the transformation of Roman Reigns. And in my eyes, Roman Reigns sucked until last summer slam and now he's fucking awesome he's the best thing in wrestling he's really the only thing like the only guy that i like will go out of my way to tune in for um in in wwe right now and i do agree with that um so but as doc pointed out he has been on top for a long long time now um at the expense of some people like mr kevin owens who many believe, I believe you, AJ, believe, has not gotten his due. Is that right? Okay. No, he has not. He 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 had his due for a little bit back in 2016, 2017. And I don't know if they're holding off until live crowds to finally give him his moment. But that's another thing, too. I know this is probably mentioned a lot on the podcast in terms of live crowds versus you know, general wrestling matches, but I'm just going to nail this into the ground. This match sucked without a live crowd. I'm sorry. I did the for the story that they were going with here and the lack of a live crowd, it draws attention away from the intensity of the emotions between the messers. That was my problem with Drew McIntyre's match against Brock Lesnar last year. He got robbed and I hold that dearly. I'm sorry. I mean, generally, I think we're all in agreement here that that wrestling doesn't quite work without the live crowd. Like they try, and some people do better. Than not, others. it's not the same. Yeah. We, I, 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 like, I maintain. I think I said this about the Thunderdome the first time it came up. Like, I don't know what else I would do. Like, I can't. Like, it seems like the given the situation, 
it seems like a fine solution if you have the kind of insane money that the that WWE does where you can build that. I thought in this match, here's the I agree with you HA that this match proved that stuff like this doesn't really work without an audience because what they did was kind of the most interesting and creative thing that they could do and like fighting amidst the Thunderdome like uh, yeah. going up yeah, the level levels. upon That's, level up that 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 pisses me off because of the fact that like okay you're fighting next to a bunch of electronic screens and yeah that that may be a little bit hardcore and witty but like I, I I imagine that fighting in a fighting with the fans. I imagine that fighting in the crowd. But I thought it was fucking great because we always see the guys fighting in the middle of crowds and this was different. And they know they have a limited time to get in something like this. And this was the match they decided to do it in. They were like, let's fight several levels up in the Thunderdome and then go backstage, not in the regular backstage, but backstage to where you see the practice ring that we have set up in this empty stadium. And I also like, okay, so the big spot and I'm going to bring it up, was Roman Reigns just completely hitting Kevin Owens with a golf cart. And, like, AEW had recently before this done a spot that was similar, except the AEW spot, and I like the AEW spot, don't get me wrong, but the AEW spot was comedy. This was not comedy. This was vehicular assault. And I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, he really hit him with a golf cart. Just being out there in the football field was kind of... An illusion, perhaps, right. to to AEW. I mean, I mean, a painting in itself of that AEW golf car is Kenny Omega like pointing at Sammy Guevara, yelling out of him, and Sammy Guevara like the like the funniest fucking rubber hose cartoon character just running for his life. And that's the difference. That's what AEW to me is lacking is like that genuine pathos. They play things for laughs, things that are fucking serious, right? Like that, like that's a brutal bump and wrestling in general is fucking dangerous. And it's taking years away from your life. Potentially it's, you know, the people are destroying their bodies. And if you're doing that for a laugh, I mean, why not just do something like XSW where you're not really taking huge bumps and you're, you know, having a good time and you're drawing attention to the conventions of wrestling and in a funny way. And that's great. But if you're going to be in the ring, taking real bumps, risking your lives, it should fucking mean something. I I agree. Yeah. That there, there is some truth to that, but, but may, but maybe a little, I mean, but even though some, some outside wrestling fans they sort of do see wrestling as a little bit of comedy in a way, like, like, like my, my, my friend Isaiah, he sees similarities between fucking wrestling and Power Rangers. Like it looks goofy, but like you're entertained by it. Well, I don't think Ben's arguing that there should be no comedy in wrestling. Certainly not. Is, Certainly is that not. right, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can you can definitely have comedy in in, in wrestling. There, there's like I don't know the, the way it can be structured to take away from the stuff that's actually dangerous. I think and yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. just the market. But don't make the dangerous I mean, I'm, stuff. I'm, cu- I'm curious. The funny stuff, really, you know. Yeah. Uh, Evan, I'm I'm curious to know what you think of just like the standing intensity of Kevin Owens. Does did that does does he do anything for you in that level? Because um, I, I, I I like I can feel him when he's just standing there, kind of being intense. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he. 
I, I thought that he was a good counter to Roman Reigns because he kind of is of similar stature and, like, strength, but stylistically seems pretty different. Um, yeah, they really yeah. represent I'm... these two different kind of ideals where Reigns is oh, yeah. just objectively a beautiful man. And that's part of why he's the top he's guy. Yeah, he just, you know, they want someone who looks like Roman Reigns as the face of their company. They don't want someone who looks like Kevin Owens as the face of their company. However, Kevin Owens looks a lot more like the average wrestling fan. Sure. And that's what sure. gives him his special appeal as kind of an underdog in that way. Well, yeah, and, ha and has like, yeah, like the, the relatable physique, right, right? Right. Like he just he look like you look at him and you're like, all right, like if I really put the time in, I could get like strong like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember they they asked him in a shoot interview right before he signed his contract because he had gone to the WWE Performance Center. And um, everybody knew that. And they asked him, like, you know, they say when you go to the performance center, they do all kinds of, like, crazy cardio drills. And he's like, oh, yeah. And they're like, can you do those drills? And he's like, of course I can do it. Of course yeah, I can do, do the crazy drills. high flying And, shit, you know, dude. you wonder, you wonder, can he or can't he? And then you see him do 40-minute matches and not take a back step. And you're like, oh, right, right. This is just the way his body is shaped, you know? And don't think you can't have a body shape like that if you put the work in. Here's the thing. If you put the work into your body and it's still shaped like that, that's what your body's supposed to be shaped like. If your cardio's good, you're 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 golden. Oh yeah, yeah. I always say if you're if you're working out regularly and like and you're eating like decently well and you keep that up for a while, whatever your body is doing after a couple years is what it's quote unquote supposed to be doing. No, because that's the thing. No, of course he eats whatever he wants. I'm sure he does, and that's fine, man. But he, but yeah, Do but it. he but I, I bet like when he works, he fucking works, you know? So just a note about his technique. When he gets hit with that golf cart, he jumps up and takes a perfect flat back bump against the windshield. Yep. Like he hit it with as much impact as possible, but also as safely as possible. He's probably the best brawler like style in wrestling now. He yeah, so absolutely. the thing that annoyed me, like I really kind of like this match, actually. If for last man standing matches are rarely good. They have what Evan hates the most about wrestling, I think, or one of the things he hates most about wrestling is all the time just fucking lying around. And fucking last man standing matches have the most of that because people are down yeah. for like a this, nine count. This particular one did not seem that right, bad with right. that. Like there was an there was some of that, but it it did move along at a pretty good. There point. are two things that really annoyed me about it, though. the The one thing is the whole fucking storyline about Adam Pierce, and then he just has no part in the match whatsoever. Like it was oh, supposed boy. to be him in the match originally, and then like in, as part of the storyline, and then it ended up changing. And I like Adam Pierce, and I would have liked to see him play some kind of part in the match. That's one thing. The second thing was something that was actually really cool at first. So they do the, the gimmick where um, Reigns gets handcuffed. Reigns introduces the handcuffs, and then he gets handcuffed to one of the girders. Yep. And uh, the ref starts counting because he's down, and he grabs the ref and slams the ref into the girder to knock him out and stop the count. That was great. I thought that was great. Then all they fucking had to do was leave the ref knocked out until Heyman opened the handcuffs. But instead, they bring in the other ref 
and fuck, Heyman can't open the handcuffs. And the guy's counting, and then he just stops counting for no reason. And, oh, and then, finally, because they just can't do it, Reigns gets to his feet, showing that he wouldn't have been counted out anyway. Yep. And then they finally open the free him and open the handcuffs, and they just fucking ruin the whole the whole spot. It the it yeah, oh my god that 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 spot pissed me off entirely. Um, but if it wasn't for that, I I thought they told a cool story here. There were a lot of innovative spots. Um, and Roman just like one of the great things about Roman is he brings this intensity and like he. I feel like he is living his life in his matches. Like that's, it's not a character. He's not acting like that's, that's who Roman is now. Do you think it's years of like aggression being suppressed through the years of like trying to be like the baby face, squeaky clean guy is just coming out like in these matches. Yeah. I think think he figured it out. I think he just figured it out. He figured out how to professionally. I don't. I don't wrestle. think he had a problem being. I don't think he had a problem being the babyface. I think some of the fans did, which is why it didn't well, connect. Yeah, if yeah, you look ahead. at his, if you look at his work in early NXT, he has some pretty decent promos. He can talk. He he has he has a way with people. And then all of a sudden, when he goes after like post shield, like it just it just goes he away. Just, he didn't like, have a distinctive character. They finally figured out who Roman Reigns is. And it required him turning heel, uh, which they were reluctant yeah. to do for a long time because whether the fans are cheering for him in the arenas or not, he was still t- selling tons of merchandise. He still brings a lot of viewers in. Um, and so, you know, b- including people who just want to look at him, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he he does his job as a heel. And as pain as painful as it is for me to say this, he uh, doesn't, unfortunately, he, he I'm just going to say, he, just, he pisses me off entirely. He gets me pissed. I don't like him as a heel. You did it. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> you did your job as a heel. You got me to be really fucking frustrated at you and to feel this way for a, cert- a huge amount of time throughout my day. And it comes at the expense out of, all these great wrestlers who after many years in wrestling seems to finally be getting their due. And then all of a sudden they don't, it's happened to Kevin Owens. It's happening to Cesaro. Oh my gosh. The guillotine. I I was going to say, I don't like that finisher, but like now that I think about it, it's probably the best finisher for him right now. It's certainly better than the spear, the spear. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why wrestlers throw spears. Like I'll give Bill Goldberg a lot of shit for a lot of reasons, but his spear always looked like it murdered his opponent and almost everybody that's done the spear since their spear has either been okay or it sucked. Yeah. Uh, edge of spear. Uh, I, um, so I'm, I'm going to ask for everybody's final thoughts. I'm going to start I'm going to ask myself for my final thoughts and I'm going to tell me that uh, I can't believe Roman Reigns didn't change his big move when he became a heel. He did. Because he does the, he, really because he, does he the still does the now. fucking jump punch. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he added, added one. Yeah, but yeah he but still does the jump punch. you got to remember that his shitty move set is part of him being okay fine don't remember it (laughs) but his shitty moveset is part of what people like aj are gonna boo about him now 
you know <laughs> you know i guess that you know what you know what there's there's me still learning about wrestling that i'm like well this thing is stupid it's like i know but the fact that it's stupid is what is works about it now <laughs> it's like oh shit so I guess before it was just dumb, but now it's like, oh, now you've you got to make the dumbness work for you. The, the detail of him turning heel so sharply really changes the context of almost everything else that he does um, a lot. And you were saying it. No, that's it. That's my final thought. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait. Um, I thought, uh, I don't know, I like this match. Uh, I like the whole program that Owens and Rain had. Ray, Owens and Reigns had going into it. Owens came in, had a, you know, he had a great spot here. It's a, there is an art to keeping s- away the participants of the big main event until it's time to have the big main event. Mick Foley was in that spot a lot, and... We knew, like, okay, the WrestleMania main event, there's the, your main eventers there were ended up being Brian and Edge and Roman. And those three had to be kept apart until WrestleMania. And it was Owens' job to keep Reigns occupied for months before WrestleMania, and, uh, or before the WrestleMania program. He did a great job of that. Uh, they, they give Owens these big main events because they know he'll always deliver. They know his fans will always come back hoping that this will be the time he takes the title. And instead of taking the title, he takes home gigantic paychecks to his family and as somebody in the wrestling business i salute that very very much and uh, yeah i thought it was pretty good another cool contrast they built between the two characters was there they both talk about their family a lot and roman is like i'm the head of the table i'm the one who provides for the whole samoan dynasty and this and that owens has been very open about like um about his his you know his his kid and um, how important he is to him. He named himself after, right? His kid's name is yeah. Owen, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he named him after yeah. Owen Hart, which is... Yeah. And he named him after Owen yeah. Hart, yeah. And sort of like, oh, I do this out of love. And what did he say about Roman? Roman does it out of... Uh, he, he does he does it. He pretty arrogance. much does it out of like... Well, not even arrogance, but like the, the fact that like... A, a sense he gets a sense of narcissism like he has right, to be in right, charge. Right. he he has to be the center of attention like you know what fine i've been i'm hated for being the center of attention from years guess what i'm going to be the center of attention now and you will all dislike it. acknowledge me <laughs> i will acknowledge what i, I think that acknowledge me okay. shit is great Ag- acknowledge what acknowledge. is what am i acknowledging what am i not acknowledging oh that he's the that he's the head of the table head of, he, he says that almost exclusively i don't to members of his family i, I i'm sorry all like i hear head of what and all i hear is dead air like what are you talking about man i hear dead air <laughs> no tables yeah. they got to bring in the they got to bring in devon he knows about the tables Ben, do you remember going to Ring of Honor shows and seeing uh, Kevin Steen's wife look away whenever big spots sure. happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, her and, uh, and the Briscoe's mom. Right, and the Briscoe's mom. Oh. <laughs> uh, they had a lot of kids. Um, AJ, anyway, uh, your final thoughts. On yeah, what, what do you got, buddy? So, okay, so while they did work very well in this match, I thought that there were i thought some of the misspots were were plate were misplaced a little bit like i was gonna say the golf cart spot while i did enjoy it i would have saved that for the end of the match i would have saved that for roman just finally just getting really angry and just putting him down and burying him which is a little bit ironic because i didn't like the fact that kevin owens was buried at the end with the finish that they went with 
And he wasn't buried. I'm just going to completely contradict you at that. He lost the match. That's not a burial. He went toe to toe for months with a main event program with the champion. And then they gave him a singles match at WrestleMania. If that's being buried, please sign me up for being buried. Okay. Perfect. But this, and also this match didn't really do a great job of kind of building the moves from like they hit each other with their finishers right from the beginning. They were pulling yeah, out the did. big guns right away. So I, I take your point on that one. I think, uh, you know, maybe that could have been placed, but they had the yeah. whole segment of the match that was in the back. And then they had to come back to do the finish in front of the non oh, Yeah. Which they didn't. Yeah. Also, the yeah. Thunder also the, also, the referee coming out of nowhere, like after the referee getting like knocked out, and the fact that, oh, yeah, I, and the fact that, oh, Roman Reigns is basically doing a slot squat while still handcuffed. I'm like, then what, what was, then there's no point of handcuffing. There really isn't. Oh, that spot went so wrong, like so badly. And like, what can you do? The handcuffs wouldn't come off, right? Uh, it was terrible. E- Evan, did you at least find that amusing that the finish was completely botched up there? I, d- I did. I did. I, I, I have okay. to say I did. The fact that they like, it, it, uh, the fact that they kind of were a lot sloppier um, than, than the other two, uh, than the other match uh, really worked for me. Yeah, I yeah. think. There's something for, um, to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, a, a sense of not necessarily authenticity, but just. But you know what? It's that it's like you were talking about, like that. Imp- there has to be that improvisatory element, I think, for wrestling to feel real, because it's you know it's it is supposed to. The fact that we all know that it's quote unquote not real, like you still don't want to you still don't want to stretch that too far, and that's the that's the issue with when when it gets into very heavily choreographed territory is like, you know, obvi- like if I'm seeing, you know, if I'm watching a movie, if I'm watching like a Kung Fu movie or something, like obviously the, the beauty of that is like this really long, intense choreography, something like that. But if you're watching, when you're watching wrestling, yeah, I don't know. It can turn into, it can turn into a dance in a way that it's not that the dance itself is inherently bad or, or uninteresting, but in this context, it's like, I, you know, still, Need some thread of a thought that a fight is occurring. We just watched a bunch of Terry Funk matches where he doesn't do anything crisp or clean or athletic. No, no, <laughs> I, yeah, he no. he largely appears to just be fighting people. I don't know if I like that. If I like that, but like that might also be a bit far. Okay. I mean, in the other direction for me. I mean, new. I mean, New Jack was the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man. Yep. Yeah, it's like when you're watching when you're watching Star Trek, it's like somebody doesn't go, "Oh no, it's the Cardassians. They're 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 shooting missiles at our ship." And then someone else doesn't say, "Don't worry, they're actually just our buddies in makeup." It's like, "Yeah, we know." But you don't say it out loud. I I uh, that's something that I've been thinking about lately just cuz I've, you know, rewatched all Star Trek um over the last yeah. 15 months. Is that like sometimes an issue that I can have with with the newer Star Trek is that they have like too much of a budget? And that, like, when old Star Trek, when they were like, all right, well, we have $80 to make this episode, so we better just write some really good dialogue and have really good actors, like, do it. Um, that really, that that forces you to be good in a lot of ways, and that forces you to, to kind of do some interesting things. And it's almost like when you've got, like, two, I don't know, really attractive got wrestlers who like work out all of their moves like in a really detailed way in a way that is like the thing that they always sort 
so they're executing the wrestling that was always their fantasy, right, right? Right. And then like, you know, you watch Star Trek Discovery and it kind of feels like, oh, this is the re- this is what I wanted Star Trek to be when I was 12. This is what I thought I wanted it to be with like, oh, like they could do explosions and have laser karate and shit. And then you watch it and you're like, I liked it better when it was actually just like low budget like yeah. ethical conundrums. You know, it's um Cody Rhodes said of uh, I think it was Cody Rhodes when when NXT was really hot a few years ago, he was like, yeah, you know, I could have the the match of the year every time out if I had three months to rehearse it, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the amazing thing is when the guys are on the road for, you know, wrestling four nights a week and you go to a fucking random house show match and they just kill it, you know, with a match that they didn't rehearse at all, probably it has a different kind of magic to it for sure. Alrighty. Well, I hope everybody listening enjoyed this episode. AJ, I cannot thank you enough for, for coming into, for coming into the lion's den here and making uh, a, a hell of a case. Yeah, making thanks, a hell of a case AJ. For, thank you for very Gargano. much. And, uh, Great to talk to you. And I'd like to thank you very much for uh, having me here on the podcast. It's been very fun to to listen to all of your to listen to all of your opinions, get all of your different insights on how what wrestling basically works as an art form, and also to get torn apart by liking Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yeah. I am I I'm deeply sorry, but like did no no you're good yeah, man, man. you're good Gargano's clearly very popular. There's something about him that a lot of people like. Like I, I didn't like him at first when I first saw him on the indies because I immediately saw him copying the people that I did like. And to this day, little has changed, but that's my opinion. And I also started watching wrestling like to the point where I was seeing all these copies and like 2009, that's a while, but it ain't that long. So <laughs> good. Enjoy Johnny Gargano. Don't let any of our opinions stop you from enjoying. Oh, absolutely not. That's like, absolutely not. I'm, no, I'm no, buying his T-shirt yeah. after this podcast. So <laughs> yeah, it's go do it, you know? All right. Well, I'm, I couldn't tell you right. what his. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what. His I'm really glad we finally it. got to have this conversation, AJ. Yeah, man. And, Thank uh, you. Definitely. <laughs> this has been contesting wrestling. We love you. Adios.